This is the Creative Agency Podcast, where we explore the strategies, aspirations, methods, and mistakes behind growing and maintaining a successful creative agency. Hi out there, it is I, Chris Bolton, host of the Creative Agency Podcast. I think you're really going to love this episode. In it, I interview a really smart agency owner, Mike Arneson of Upbuild. You can find Upbuild online at upbuild.io. Upbuild offers technical marketing, a winning cocktail of conversion rate optimization, analytics, and SEO. Mike is both a speaker and a writer. In his interview, we talk about how Mike got his start, how he got into public speaking, how his personal brand helped him kickstart his agency, and we get into some of the finer points of selling SEO services in 2017. You definitely don't need to be super technical or an SEO expert to enjoy and learn from this interview, so I encourage you to listen and hang on for Mike's takeaways at the end of the show. Before we begin, a reminder to let us know what you think on the show in iTunes by leaving a review. You can also check out our growing list of agency resources at creativeagencypodcast.com forward slash agency resources. Also leave a comment on the episode if you have any thoughts or questions and follow us on Twitter at creative A-G-N-C-Y. Thanks for listening and let's dive in. All right. Well, I'm here with Mike Arneson of Upbuild. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, Upbuild is sort of like an SEO and optimization agency. How, how would you describe it? Yeah. The word that I use to describe us is technical marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my mind, it, I mean, it extends from what I was good at when I started the agency, which was doing stuff that was very marketing focused and aligned with those objectives of actually like accomplishing business goals, but then also using my super geeky brain uh, to like take the technical knowledge I knew, which was, you know, it, by and large SEO mm-hmm. um, to bring to the table. And I, I honestly wanted to justify why I wasn't going to do paid search. Uh-huh. Um, I suck at paid search. Uh, this, <laughs> I won't bandy about it. Um, so I didn't want to do that. And I wanted to say, okay, let's, let's make a logical explanation for why I don't do that and why I'm not going to do design either. Like I actually, before SEO did, um, you know, website development, worked at a web dev company and, uh, I was good at it, but I just didn't pursue that. And so that's never been my strong suit. So I wanted to make an agency where like, okay, here's all these things I can do, but here's how you think about it. And here's why development doesn't fall into that. And here's why advertising doesn't fall into that. So technical marketing worked really well. I always um, illustrate it as a Venn diagram of like, okay, you have the marketing skill set, and then you have the developer's kind of toolkit. uh, And the overlap is where we operate, because I think SEO is a perfect example. You absolutely need to know marketing, and you need to know how websites work if you're going to optimize them. Exactly. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, how, How long has Upbuild been around? Almost two years now. Cool. And um, how many employees? We are six going on seven. So we're um, actively hiring a a seventh person, which has been exciting. Uh, Also takes a lot of time. So uh, one of the joys of owning your own company and uh, or just, you know, being kind of higher level uh, strategy leader. It's like you got to get involved in hiring. That's probably one of the most important investments you'll make. Yeah. Hiring the right people. And uh, how about your, your personal background? What were you doing before Upbuild? The story of Upbuild ties directly into like my origin story as a marketer, really. Um, so I've been doing this kind of stuff for approximately 10 years. And um, it really goes back to, uh, I guess, my college education, which was 
characterized by not wanting to do it. <laughs> and the thing that my dad uh, always told me as a kid growing up, uh, and now I'm like, okay, that was kind of cool advice. But uh, at the time, I was like, ugh. Um, it was like, his point was just go to college and get a degree. Like, find something you're interested in and just like do it and go through that process. Because I was like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Like, and math sounds hard. I don't want to be an accountant like you, dad. Um, and so I went and studied history because I liked reading. I liked thinking about things and didn't like talking to people. So I was like, great, I'm going to read a bunch of books and write a lot of papers and it's going to be awesome. Uh, it was okay. Scraped by and uh, graduated from college and immediately recognized that I didn't like any of the career options that were available to me using that degree. So like I didn't want to be a teacher, which is super funny now because I teach at PSU. Uh, I teach web <laughs> analytics. Um so that came, that came full circle. I didn't want to be a teacher, didn't want to be a researcher, didn't want to go back for my master's. Uh, so I ended up actually taking a job at MySpace uh, when that was still a thing. Oh, wow. It, we, there were signs that it was on the way out, but I was there. I was in customer service um, and had a lot of free time in my hands. So I ended up learning WordPress at the advice of some of the uh, MySpace development team. And they're like, hey, you got some free time. You should like spin up WordPress. It's super fun. You can learn how to code. And I was like, okay, great. Let me change a button color. Oh, my God. It used to be red and now it's blue and it was like my mind was blown like uh you know the matrix and you can like you know uh, manipulate reality and shape it <laughs> yeah. how you want and i was like this is amazing i'm a superhero uh and that just started this insane snowball of uh wanting to now understand how all of that worked how could i make it better um and seo when i was introduced to that concept it was like the ultimate thing too uh you know beyond that because not only was i then able to optimize a website and change that like I could change how other sites thought about my website which was really amazing to me um, so yeah fast forward a couple of years I ended up getting a job uh, at an agency also here in town in Portland uh, worked there for about five years and um, saw that company through a successful acquisition uh, so they were bought up by a larger company decided that I was still in love with the startup vibe and uh, kind of the scrappiness of being a small company that can take risks and move quickly um, so I kind of went off my own and and uh, now we have a build that's cool yeah. that's cool that's so funny I relate to the myspace thing because I remember when uh, you could first uh, like insert code into your myspace page and actually change stuff and I remember having oh, that yeah. same feeling you're like oh my god I just totally changed the way it looked. <laughs> so uh, uh, you actually do a lot of speaking in conferences and uh, and you've done some speaking on podcasts. I've actually seen you speak at the uh, SearchFest conference before. Um, how has that helped your agency and sort of your career along the way? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And uh, I'm glad that we're talking about this early because, you know, people will invariably hear about, you know, the success of Upbuild and how we've grown and what we've been able to accomplish. And um, they're like, you know, how does how is that possible? And I always kind of brush it aside a little bit and be like, well, I just got super lucky. But really, the truth of the matter is like, I did a lot. I did basically think of it as six years of groundwork before I founded an agency, which probably is the only reason I'm where I am today. Like, yeah. I think Upbuild would have failed if I hadn't done that. So I mentioned when I was talking about history, like, I don't like talking to people terrified of public speaking when I had to take a public speaking class in community college. It was the worst class I'd ever taken. I was like, <laughs> I hate every day of my life while I'm in this class uh, because I know like you know at the end of the semester I'm gonna have to get in front of everybody and, and give a speech this is terrible uh, so it's a weird thing to me to think about you know I actually enjoy public speaking now um, and the thing is like I'm a very introverted guy I'm you could characterize me as shy but if I 
I've realized that if I know something well, it's easy for me to talk about. And if yeah. it's something that I feel that I'm uh, able to bring something valuable to the table, like I want to share that. And so that's been super good for me. And yeah, I think, you know, putting myself out there and doing public speaking, now doing podcasts, like this weird podcast like uh, train that I'm on right now. I've been doing <laughs> podcasts like all year uh, since the beginning of 2017. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's been very very amazing and um you know every time i do this so you know whether it's speaking at you know search fest at a a smaller local event or preparing for mozcon or even you know gearing up to teach this uh three-week course i gave on analytics at psu every single time the the, like up to the second that i start speaking i'm like i have not prepared enough for this i totally (laughs) dropped the ball like this is going to be the time where everybody figures out like i'm a fraud uh and i just should not be up here and then at the end, I'm like, I did pretty good. I'm great at this. Let me sign up for something else. And then, of course, like, I, uh, you know, volunteer for some other thing. And then, you know, three weeks beforehand, I'm like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have done this. This sounds terrible. Um, so it's a it's a vicious cycle, but it has uh, played out very well. Well, you never would know it from seeing you speak. And, and I, I suppose that's encouraging to people who haven't sort of ventured out there and done that yet. Absolutely. And I will um, give another plug to SearchFest now, Engage. So I never conceived that I would go down that path of like being a, you know, quote unquote thought leader, whatever that means, um, in the space and doing public speaking until at SearchFest, I think it was 2012, possibly, uh, I saw Jonathan Coleman speak. He used to be the SEO at REI. Now he works at Facebook doing user experience stuff. But I saw him give a presentation at SearchFest on page speed and how that impacted SEO and what REI had done to improve page speed. And I was like, hey, this guy isn't talking about like how sexy it is to get links and he's not like super traditionally charismatic guy. He's like a super nerd. His whole deck is themed around Battlestar Galactica. Like <laughs> if this guy can do it, like maybe I can, t- maybe I have something valuable to say too. So that was a big impetus for me uh, to kind of want to at least start aspiring to that. Uh, what wouldn't be years later until I actually started that. But Well, that's very cool. That's awesome. Oh, how did you come by the name Upbuild? So this is great. I, I love that you asked that question because no one's ever really asked that on uh, an interview before. So Upbuild was originally not an idea for an agency. It was so when I was working at uh, the company I was at previously, Swellpath, I was like, okay, well, I would love to do something on my own that I have ownership in and that can benefit people. I've always kind of been, I guess, fascinated isn't the right word, but like very conscious of wanting to do something that would help others. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I found myself in kind of a team manager position at Swellpath back in the day, I was like, okay, what can I do to not only like, you know, let us do our day-to-day work that we need to do to survive as an agency, but what can I do to help my team grow and help me be a better manager? And so Upbuild, as I originally conceived it, was actually a team development tool Uh, So I have like old, just terrible looking mock-ups of like this tool, which would essentially allow you to like track your one-on-ones with employees to uh, have shared like dashboards to say like, okay, like team member A, this is their long-term 10-year career goal. This is the thing they want to accomplish this year. We can kind of track progress against those. We can like 
I also had uh, an extensive uh, extensibility idea from that and like I was gonna say let's have a Chrome plugin and hit the button when you're doing something that makes you happy and then we'd have it like integrate with Basecamp and grab what that <laughs> task was that was tracking time to it and put that in there and be like hey this person has trends like when they're doing these kind of activities they're feeling great about their job when they're doing this they hate their life uh, let's collect data on employee happiness basically um, and that idea was just like in the back of my head for a long time and then when everything fell into place and it was time to have an agency, I was like, oh, well, I'll just use that. So a little, a little pivot for a company that didn't exist. Is that so that software exists? Uh, that software does not exist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and maybe one day. Yeah. Um, so, so how would you describe the sort of major services that you offer clients? Yeah, the main things that we do, um, I think as, you, as you've alluded to before, are SEO, conversion rate optimization, and web analytics. And we're a little different from places I've worked for in the past, which had this clear delineation and siloing between services. And you'd have a contract for SEO. And you would say, okay, we're gonna work on your SEO, we're gonna work on your keyword rankings and get more organic traffic to your site. And then there'd be a separate analytics engagement and somebody who managed analytics for the agency. And then of course there'd be like, you know, a paid search team if, if that was offered and a conversion rate optimization specialist. I just saw over the years that in my setting, in my experience, that caused a lot more problems than it solved. Mm -hmm. um, and it just kind of put additional strain on the client consultant relationship because it was like, hey, we're getting a bunch of SEO traffic to your site now. That's great. You know, organic is up 100% year over year we wanna know how that's performing for you. And they're like, well, we don't have the budget for analytics uh, and we've never implemented anything. All we can see is page views to the site. And I'm like, well, we need to set up goals. And you know, it would be something where like, okay, well, our scope is limited. Let's wait until they bite off on an analytics engagement. And I'm like sitting over here twiddling my thumbs. It's like, I wanna know which keywords are converting for you. I wanna know, you know, are we making the right decisions that ultimately are gonna impact your business goals? So now with Upbuild, what we do is, you know, a client will come to us for a specific service offering, but we just say like, we're, I, every proposal I put out is like, this is a proposal for digital optimization. We'll lead with SEO or we'll lead with analytics if that's what the clients come to us for. But like, then we'll just seamlessly flow back and forth between like, where is the need greatest? What can we bring to the table regardless of whether or not it's in our um, you know, defined skill set even. So like mm -hmm. if somebody, a client is putting out a press release and like, we know stuff that can help them. We're not going to be like, well, we don't specialize in press releases. Sorry. We'll, we'll give them our feedback and try to integrate as much as possible. And this ties back to one of Upbuild's core values, which is betterment. Uh, and this is the idea that if we're doing our job well, um, it means that we're making someone's life better. And that sounds very lofty and kind of like uh, kumbaya a little bit. But it's like, <laughs> that's what we go back to is like, can we make our client's life easier at the office? Or are we connecting someone via search to a product that they already want and making that process as painless as possible? So like if we can, you know, go outside of our comfort zone to help our clients in even a small way, like we're all about that. So that's kind of how we break down our services in, uh, I guess we don't break them down. <laughs> right. That's would great. be the more that's accurate great. description. Yeah. I, I think that that is the, the, you know, sort of the issue with compartmentalization of services. A lot of times you see those extra needs and you're kind of like, well, do we touch this? Do we create a new proposal? Do we recommend a partner? But those things, you know, I mean, obviously the reason why you buy SEO is so that you get conversions on your website. <laughs> those things are very, very closely linked. So, so what is the pricing like for uh, your projects usually? 
So most of our engagements are month to month. That's the other thing that I've uh, had the fortunate uh, the, the luck to learn throughout my agency career is like the best results always correlates with having an ongoing relationship. Like there's for when it comes to SEO um, specifically, I think there's a dangerous project cycle we can get into in terms of saying like, okay, well, SEO is this limited term thing that we can do. And like, okay, let's turn on SEO for a month every two years and like engage with a consultant, have them fix up our site, uh, address the issues. But in between, there's all kinds of things happening. Like Google's changing their algorithm. Your site is changing. There's all kinds of stuff that can go haywire. And usually it's like, you know, uh, when I've seen these project cycles happen, it's like, you know, we engage and everybody fix our site and then like they reach back out in two years and like hey so a bunch of stuff is broken then we start looking under the hood and like way more than they even know is broken if we had been there even at like a very light maintenance engagement they would have consistently been going on an upward trend and now it's like okay well they had a big a big uh, spike in search performance when we were engaged with them and then it went downward and now it's like okay now let's try to crank it back up a little but it's like you don't really go anywhere. So now with Upbill, we strongly prefer ongoing engagement. So it's mm-hmm. all month to month. So that, that's teeing up what the pricing actually is. So our month to month pricing, um, low end is about 6,000, high end is about 9,000. Uh, and that ties back to kind of our, our main value proposition as an agency um, is that we don't go after specific companies or mm-hmm. company types. We're not like, okay, well, we're great at e-commerce or you know we're good at nonprofits. Uh, we'll, we'll take everybody. But what our sweet spot is, is finding a company that's established, is doing something um, impactful and meaningful, and is able to get their own kind of attention, because we want to have that raw potential there to be able to shape that with SEO. And we look for companies that, in an ideal world, would love to have somebody in-house who knew all this stuff. Right. But, you know, for whatever reason, it's just not not the right time. So... All of that is to say that our minimum engagements are typically between 32 and 40 hours a month mm-hmm. because um, what I want to be able to tell clients, and this is something that I explicitly state in our sales process, is we'll give you a senior marketing strategist, which means someone who's an expert in SEO, analytics, CRO. We'll give you uh, that person, and they're going to be your account manager and the person executing all the work for you. They have three or four accounts maximum because yeah. I want to be able to say at the beginning of every week, 25% of their mental energy is going to be dedicated to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't do smaller engagements. Um, we sometimes will do higher engagements and say like, okay, well, we're going to scale that person down to only having three large clients instead of four kind of average ones. Yeah. And so that's uh, how our price point is kind of calculated. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so do you have, is everybody sort of doing that same thing at the at your agency or do you have a project manager or admin or anything anything else like that yeah so we keep the company pretty lean um so it's myself uh we have a uh, as of about this time last year we hired a director of strategy who was very instrumental in helping me like get a little out of the weeds and into like okay here's how we grow this company now that it's clear that this is going to be a thing that is hopefully successful uh long term so we actually hired uh ruth burrady who used to be the in-house seo at moz uh so we brought her on to manage uh kind of um, guiding strategy for the team and being like the resource for when they have complicated questions or need help with client management. So she kind of sits between me and the rest of the team uh, on paper. I I end up being very involved anyway. But then everyone else um, 
is kind of a, a senior level person, kind of uh, like a one person army, if you will, right. who can do all the account management, who does the work themselves. And then we have junior folks on the team as well, who they can kind of delegate things to and work with. And we also, I think this has been a priority for me since day one is like, I want to provide people with like mentorship opportunities, uh, with mentoring opportunities so that we can all learn and grow. We're not just like, you know, treading water day after day doing the same work. It's like, we want to grow as professionals. And if long term, like we're investing in people and they don't end up at Upbuild, like that's fine. I want to crank out people who are going to be helpful to the whole general space. Cool. Yeah. That's a good philosophy. So do you guys do any kind of marketing outside of the speaking engagements and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, so for our first six months, we didn't have a website. We had a landing page. You know, it's funny. I have this, uh, I guess the only way to describe it, it's a, like a recurring nightmare that I, I wake up and I'm like, I haven't done enough public speaking. Now nobody knows who we are anymore. Um, <laughs> but in actuality, it's been a, a welcome shift now that I've noticed over the past, uh, once we hit like the one year mark, because it used to be that people through my network would come and say, okay, we know Mike Arneson, we want to work with him. Okay, now we see that he is the CEO of Upbuild. We can talk to that company, that's fine. Uh, and then it would be an interesting transition to be like, hey, so, well, I want to help you. I'm not actually going to be the person doing the work, right. but like, here's why that's a, an okay thing. Uh, so that worked out pretty well by and large. Uh, now we're getting to the point where it's amazing because people come to us and they're like, we heard of Upbuild and we want to work with you. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm Mike, you don't know who I am. That's fantastic. Um, so yeah, people um, come to us from you know public speaking stuff, uh, going to conferences. Blog posts tend to do really well for us um, mm -hmm. in terms of what we write about, you know, semantic markup and Google Tag Manager stuff like that. Uh, now that we have Ruth on the team, who has her own uh, awesome industry reputation, and like I always tell people, like Ruth knows way more about SEO than I do, um, <laughs> so she helps a lot to bring people in the door. And then of course now the the results that we're able to get as a company kind of spread through word of mouth as well. And uh, another thing too is like just uh, having visibility on like high profile sites has been very helpful for us. So like we both, um, Ruth and I both contribute to Moz uh, mm -hmm. on their blog. We're on their recommended lists. I can't uh, understate the value of that. That's very helpful as well. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. And one thing I'll add actually mm -hmm. is another key component of how we like market ourselves is not terribly, it's, it's not an efficient way to do it. But, you know, actually Rand Fishkin of Moz has, I don't, I don't know if this, is, if this is his term, but he uses the term manufacturing serendipity. So going out of your way to meet and help people and connect with folks in the chance that, you know, someday maybe it will be beneficial. Like, so serendipity, this happy accident, like just go out and meet people and help, help them with something. And then maybe one day, you know, years down the line, they're like, oh, that person was very helpful to me. Like, let me reach out. And it's funny, like I'll go out and uh, I have you know meetings around Portland and my wife will be like, who are you meeting? And I'm like, oh, you know, some guy from like this agency or this company. And she's like, oh, is he like a lead like that wants to work with you? And I'm like, no, but I mean, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and so I go out and just meet people all the time and try to see what I can do to help them, like collaborate with them on stuff. Uh, and even if it's like there's no reason to believe that it will be valuable, like that stuff can come back. So it, it's like marketing by being a good person and mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, just being connected with others. And so that's something that's definitely been helpful as well. That's cool. That kind of reminds me this. We uh, we get a lot of leads on smaller projects. A lot of people call us and uh, because we don't 
for whatever reason, we don't have a connection with a lot of smaller agencies that can take on that sort of work. We've been actively seeking smaller agencies so that like we respect their work so that we can, when someone calls and, and we're too expensive for them, we can be like, Hey, you know, you get really check out these other guys. Um, just because it feels, it feels like we're actually doing something and actually helping the customer out, even when we can't help them out, is um, referring them to someone else. And you know, that's without any desire to have any sort of like commission on referring the work. We just want to, yeah. you know, be able to help people and give them another resource, be able to say, okay, we we can't offer you the service, but maybe these people will. And I, th- I feel it's that sort of similar vibe of like helping people because it's good karma. <laughs> yeah, it's about being a resource as well. And- and that's something that I advocate to um, with our clients is like, you know, we talk about blogging strategies or social media stuff. And it's like, that doesn't work if you're just saying like, hey, buy our product. Like, here's a new post, like 50% off this product. Here's a coupon or like, here's this new thing we launched. And like, if that's the entirety of your content strategy, like that does not work. Uh, I don't even know if it ever did, but it certainly doesn't work today. It's about being a resource for people that like may someday be a customer, but like, if, you, if you're too focused on that and saying like, well, we need to have blog posts that are geared toward generating leads, like right. that's just not gonna work. Like be a resource if you also happen to offer the solution to a problem that you know somebody searching for that resource has, then that's great. And that's kind of how you should think about it. It's like be helpful first and then also say like, well, and then if you need me, you know where to find me. Exactly, exactly. So, um, my background is actually also an SEO, and um, that makes this a particularly interesting subject for me. Um, I did in-house for a while um, at a company called CD Baby, and um, and then we also offer SEO services here at Murmur. One of the things I find from going doing SEO in-house and then and then uh, offering it here as a service is that it's it's a complex thing to help people understand. Um, and, uh, do you have, I mean, I, I realize you guys are sort of offering a higher end service, but, but do you still sort of struggle with, uh, explaining exactly the value of SEO, what SEO is? Um, yeah. I mean, fortunately for me at the time that I decided to do my own SEO agency, like the, our collective knowledge as a space has increased a lot. So like, it's not like explaining SEO 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot easier. It's, uh, I think, as, in, uh, as a discipline, has evolved into a more respectable kind of uh, marketing strategy and people aren't as like mystified by it or scared <laughs> of it, which is very, very helpful. Uh, in explaining it, I end up using a lot of analogies and metaphors to stuff. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure everybody at Upbuild is like, oh, Mike's going to start on like a metaphor train again <laughs> and like um, break everything down. I can't even remember like the strangest examples that I've had. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll try to break things down into relatable uh, examples to mm-hmm. you know talk about these specific concepts, whether it's, you know, um, mobile site optimization or, you know, HTTP versus HTTPS and like why that's important. Just like try to figure out what uh, this common knowledge or experience that like your client has that you can use to kind of bring that point home. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of being a little thoughtful about it and seeing like what you can do. But, you know, education is absolutely part of our job as uh, kind of technical marketers. It's like right. a lot of the stuff we do, um, we do it for our clients because they don't understand it enough to be able to do it. Like, exactly. And that it, it's a cool thing now that it's changed. It shifted a little bit in that like, yeah, clients do kind of know it. And they also recognize that like, they could probably go out and learn it, but 
also, you know, it, there's a benefit to working with experts who do it every day. Exactly. Exactly. Do you have any sort of criteria or criteria that you evaluate a potential client on um, that sort of, you know, why you might turn them down opposed to taking them on? Yeah. So that's a, a fantastic question. And one thing that's a little unique about Upbuild is we actually hold formal votes on every prospective lead that comes in. Um, so that's something that stems from, you know, my, uh, story history as an agency marketer. I've worked on accounts that I wasn't super jazzed about. Uh, I've had people on my team work on accounts that have just been like demoralized by the subject matter, like stuff that just like feels predatory and sleazy. And it's like, I don't want to be working on this business, but like, it's my job. So I guess we'll do it. So when I started this company, I was like, so I'm not going to do that. Um, so from day one, we've always voted on clients. So the entire team, um, now we've kind of formalized it and optimized the process a little bit better. So when a lead comes in, um, I'll actually, you know, I'll talk to them and uh, kind of pick their brain for a couple hours uh, through a, couple, a series of phone calls. Then I'll type up my assessment of the client and say like, okay, here's who the client is. Here's where they came to us. Here's what I see as pros and cons. And overall, you know, here's what I would recommend. It's like, I think we can work with them and make a big difference. Or sometimes I'll be honest and say like, I'm, all the time I'm honest, but I'll say, I am a little hesitant about working with it because I'm not sure if we could accomplish goal X for them. Or like, you know, I get the sense that like the CMO of the company is going to judge our engagement entirely by like, if we're able to get a number one ranking for this insanely competitive keyword. Right. Um, so we kind of try to flag all the potential concerns and we put that to a vote. We use Google Forms to have anonymous voting and we vote across three criteria. Uh, efficacy, so can we be effective for that client? Um, alignment. So do we feel that we can stay aligned to our company values while working on that client? And then general interest. Like I want to be able to say to any client we work with that like, hey, our team's interested by what you're doing. Like, you know, it's one thing to be able to go through an SEO checklist and be like, okay, I'm checking all the boxes. Let me write page titles and metadata. And it's another to be like, this is awesome. And I want them to do well because like, I think their offering is incredible. Um, so bringing that level of excitement is kind of a value proposition for us as well. So we vote across all of those. And if uh, a client, we vote each of those criteria, scale of one to five. So if a client gets three or less, we actually don't work with them. Uh, that doesn't happen that much because I think um, there's a little, uh, it, it's skewed a bit because I, I just don't bring the big, the, the clients that are like red flags to the table in the first place. Um, so it sounds like I'm doing, like our team is just uh, into everybody, but there have been clients. and. One of the most recent ones that we just sent out an email to last uh, this week uh, is like, hey, we have some concerns. Like we put it to the vote and uh, here's what the team is thinking. And for them, it wasn't like, hey, we think you're ethically challenged. Uh, it was, you guys are awesome. We, everybody was actually very interested in what the client did, but we were concerned about being able to get results for them. So like the keyword set that they were trying to go after, like you know, every keyword that where they were targeting that had been already identified by a previous SEO agency got like, you know, maybe 10 searches a month. So like across the board, maybe it's like, if we got you number one rankings for your top 10 most important keywords, like maybe we'd net you an additional thousand visitors a month. Yeah. Uh, if your conversion rate is like 1%, because uh, it's like, you know, a multi-thousand dollar product. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to, if that's how we're going to determine the success or failure of the engagement, uh, this is not a battle we can win. And so if this is something we can like set our mutual expectations uh, on in terms of like another success metric, like, you know, can our team revolutionize your site's SEO? 
Absolutely. Can we relatively increase it by, you know, 50%, 75% over the first six months? Totally. But are we going to be able to crank up your leads if you're currently getting like five leads a month uh, and you're expecting to get 50 leads a month? Like there's just not enough people searching for your thing. Right. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like you absolutely want to invest SEO because like when that white whale of a lead comes along from Google search, like you want to be there front and center. So yeah. it's like, you know, just making sure that uh, we have a mutual shared understanding of like, what, what can we reasonably accomplish here? So sometimes that stuff isn't aligned. And sometimes too, like, um, so this is interesting. So you worked at CD Baby. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of Derek Sivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his like mantras for folks is like, be expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do that. And uh, I think it's actually been kind of a, a nice uh, play for us in like, to, in terms of faking it until we made it. Uh, I feel like at this point we kind of have made it. But like at the beginning, I was like, I'm going to charge more than I think I'm worth uh, to kind of just, put that value out there and be like, no, this is valuable. Um, and so, you know, we are not the cheap option. And so, you know, for a client like that has, that has kind of limited opportunity. Like sometimes we're just not the right fit. Like we're big guns. Like I try to hire the best people in the industry. Um, and sometimes like it's fine to go with somebody who's going to do SEO for you for 500 bucks a month. Like if you only need a couple things, like if you need somebody to write your page titles, we're not a good fit for that. Yeah. Um, so it, it just, uh, comes back to finding who we think is going to be the best fit and being honest with potential clients about that. So, so what is usually included in your SEO services? Do you guys um, do any content creation or is it mainly technical or? Um... Yeah, that's a great question. It's fairly technical is kind of where we, um, where we end up going the deepest. And so we do, we do things like, you know, a full comprehensive SEO audit of your site. We'll lay out what the next steps are for uh, correcting each kind of deficiency we identify. Uh, but then of course we'll go on the content side and figure out what's that overall keyword strategy you need to be using for your site. We'll do research into search trends, identify how we're going to get, you know, the best, most qualified potential customers to your site and lay that all out. We'll do things like write metadata and stuff, but we don't get our hands too dirty in terms of like content creation or design or development. Um, that's kind of a a thing, um, going back to like the technical marketing Venn diagram I described is like some of the services are too far on the on one side of the spectrum and just like we could do it in a lot of cases like I come from a development background I have a guy who's like an amazing writer but like that's just not our core competency and like while we could do it we think there's people out there who are going to be able to do it better so like go with the experts yeah that makes yeah. sense so we do partner with a lot of agencies and uh, you know independence as well uh, to get that stuff done when a client doesn't have that need. Okay. Um, you said you don't really do development. Does that mean that you're not usually touching the code, that it's usually sort of presented to the client? Um, yeah. So we will do our best to um, be able to speak to what needs to happen in the code and like even go so far as like laying out a code example and saying like, here's your current template. You need to change it to this. Here's all the changes in the HTML that you need to make. Uh, but we're not going to actually pull the trigger on that implementation. So like if something's you know, pushing from staging to production, like we, we want to leave that in the hands of somebody who's like very qualified. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And how do you sort of ensure that the, the suggestions that you make are actually getting followed through with the client by the client? Yeah, um, our clients hear from us a lot. So if there's uh, outstanding action items, like they'll know about it, and uh, we'll just we just make sure that uh, that they we know or we're explaining that you know results are conditional uh, right. 
for having this stuff implemented. So like, hey, so we're going towards this goal. Here's the last thing that needs to happen to start progress toward that. It's like all this strategy and all this research is for nothing if it doesn't actually make it onto your live site. Right, so like, right. let's prioritize this. Right. Hey, you're, you're paying us some money. <laughs> you yeah. should do the work. <laughs> yeah, which I think everybody in an agency setting has had that experience of like, yeah. we did all this great work and then it just like collected dust for three years. Yeah. So how do you usually like prioritize the, the work that needs to be done on a website? How do we prioritize? I would say, so when we actually are doing something formalized, like uh, laying out, um, the findings of an SEO audit. We'll actually weigh each recommendation by one, you know, how impactful we think it's going to be. So like, you know, low, medium, high kind of thing. And then how difficult or resource intensive we believe it's going to be to implement. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've all kind of been around long enough to be able to understand like, hey, generally it's pretty easy to change page titles. Uh, generally it's pretty difficult to transfer your site onto HTTPS. Uh, from HTTP. So um, we'll kind of weigh that, you know, cost benefit analysis um, and, and say, okay, like, yeah, what do we think you should tackle on first? If there's something that's like low effort, high impact, like we'll put that first. Um, so usually our default is to say like, okay, what can we do the easiest as possible to get results as quickly as possible? Because that's always what people are are looking for. And it's like, right. there's, there's also stuff like that I'm super passionate about and the team is passionate about, like, you know, semantic markup. And, uh, while that is great, you know, I will also, I, I need to be honest with clients sometimes, it's like, this is like kind of a long play and it's it's gonna help you in the short term. It's also seems to really be where search engines are heading. Like I think that's where Google wants to be in the next couple of years is like using semantic market even more than they do now. Um, so while we want you to do this on their site uh, or on your site, it's gonna take your developers a while to do it. Uh, it's not gonna have an immediate payoff. So like. Let's right. do, you know, let's optimize your page content before we do that, because yeah. that's where, where we're going to get results next couple months. You said that you, you often do work with other agencies. Um, how does that usually come about? Are you um, referring your clients to agencies or agencies bringing clients to you? Um, how does that work? So most of the time we end up working with other agencies because a uh, client already has an existing relationship with them. So most of the time, I would say maybe half of our clients have an internal development team and like internal copywriters. And the other half of the time, they have an external partner that they prefer using uh, for either development, copywriting, design, what have you. Uh, so we'll integrate with them and um, start working with them just right away and just kind of treat them like they're part of our client's team. Uh, but then there also are a couple cases where we try to bring in people we know we like working with. And there's actually um, one agency here in town that like we will jointly pitch our uh, our history of working together as mm -hmm. like a value for clients. And um, the company, you've I'm sure you know them, they're sub, uh, subtext. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've done a lot of stuff. I worked with them extensively when I was at Swellpath. And I always found that their team just like they got it. Like they weren't pushing back on SEO recommendations like they would you know, get it right in implementation, like first, maybe the second time. Uh, and they were just awesome to work with. So I like that as an SEO where like, you know, as I talked about before, like the implementation can be the make or break moment for everything. Right. So if you have a, a partner that you can work with that you know is going to be able to implement well, uh, that's an awesome thing to have and never to take that for granted. Um, so we kind of, um, We've done a couple joint pitches between us, but uh, usually like we'll talk to a client and we'll like try to figure out like, hey, are you guys shopping around for web developers? And they're like, oh yeah, we have 
XYZ company, and then we're also talking to subtext, and we're like, oh, hey, um, so we've worked with them before, and this is by no means like a thing for only subtext. It's like mm-hmm. any client, uh, any agency that we've worked with before who we've enjoyed working with, like, will be their biggest advocate with a client, and uh, hopefully it's vice versa as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you do a joint pitch, is that kind of, do you end up with one contract or two contracts from, uh, or one contract from each agency, basically? Yeah. I mean, my th- uh, preference is to do, uh, individual contracts for each partner yeah uh and it's it, it really does tie back to our our thing is like we want to be a an ongoing partner with the client and it is interesting because you know the joint pitches haven't historically worked out that well uh because usually when you're working on a pitch like that it's for a site redesign so for that like it kind of it's an investment and and folks are willing to you know shell out some good money for it but at the same time like they don't have infinite budget and bringing in you know the seven thousand a month technical marketing partner uh, is usually untenable. Right. <laughs> um, so like we try to figure out okay can we like crank down the cost on this a little bit and like see how we can streamline things. But you know usually for us and um, I mean this is a great problem to have and I hope I don't come across as like too uh, cocky about it. But like we've never had a problem with having enough business. So usually it's like yeah. In select situations, we'll do that joint pitch for a site launch project, but most of the time we're like, you know, we're probably not a great fit for this, but as you've said before, like, let us help you find someone who's going to be a good fit for this. Of course, there's another question if this is a client we just signed, who that we're working with Subtext as the development partner, uh, they're working with us. Their need was that they wanted a website development, uh, a development partner, they wanted to relaunch and rebrand their site. But then separately, they were also looking for a long-term SEO and optimization partner. So all the pieces kind of came into place and it was like the ideal uh, dream situation. So that worked out very, very well. Do you end up doing sort of the the upfront strategy for a website sort of before it's actually been created very often? Yeah, that's usually our criteria for working on site launches. It's like we need to be involved early. And it's not necessarily even for you know our benefit. It's like it's absolutely for the client's benefit. Like, so if you have a development team who's been working on the site for three months already, and then you're like, oh hey, we're gonna launch next month. Can we have you do SEO for us? Um, it's usually gonna be rocky and you're not gonna be making great friends with the development team because you're gonna be like hey so you got the staging site that you've been pouring <laughs> hundreds of hours into like can you guys like re- like redo all the settings and like can we talk about changing the navigation like like no <laughs> we've been working on this for months already um, so you know for a, uh, a site launch project if we can get involved three or four months prior to their anticipated launch date like that's the best because what I love to be able to do is like let's talk to your development partner and like get their project plan. We'll rearrange everything we have on deck and like make sure it fits in with their schedule. So like if we're making technical recommendations, like let's get that before they spin up the staging site and install WordPress or Drupal or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so they know all that stuff and nobody has to redo work. Like it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Where do you think that um, agencies often go wrong with SEO? Um. I think agencies go wrong with SEO uh, most commonly in reporting on SEO. Like mm-hmm. that's that's something that we you know we'll do occasionally. We'll dig deep into like a quarterly deep dive and like figure out okay, generally here's how performance is and like kind of state those numbers, but mostly focus it on like okay, we saw a bunch of cool cool stuff. Here's what our successes were. Here's where we want to move forward with uh, or from here. And so we'll lay that stuff out. But aside from that, we don't do reporting. 
Uh, we don't do keyword ranking reports. We don't do weekly reports or monthly reports. I think it's it's a remnant of an older uh, of uh, a prehistoric industry. Really, mm-hmm. it's you know SEO was this uh, kind of developing uh, skill set. It was easy to kind of look up, you know, the SEO best practices and be like, okay, well, I need to like look at these things for SEO. I need to put keywords on the site. But then, you know, it becomes when you're limited to saying like SEO is the thing I do, uh, you can easily run out of ideas and stuff to do once you have like that initial one or two months of optimization work. So I think it's a very easy thing to fall back to reporting. This also has made it very easy for us to close some contracts because everybody that we pitch ends up have had they have had that experience of like oh yeah so our last SEO agency like they were great people and all but like it seemed like they used like half of their hours for us every month like putting together a report that nobody read um, <laughs> so we're like yeah so we're not going to do that so uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll be a breath of fresh air for that so that's the thing that um, you know I think it's easy to do reporting and I totally get why reporting is something that can appear valuable mm-hmm. uh, and it's an easy thing to do um, and it creates I think it can create perceived value but I'm not convinced it provides actual value right um, so it's something that a lot of companies do and I think that's uh, maybe something we need to get away from a little bit as an industry that makes a lot of sense so in that case are you just sort of are you allowing the client be like, well, you have access to analytics. If you want to go see the traffic, you can see it yourself. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, so we talked about, you know, with SEO, uh, a lot of it is education, like with our relationships uh, and what we do with search engine marketing and, you know, analytics and website optimization. We want to make sure that our clients are educated and informed about what's going on. So, you know, I think there is rarely an engagement where we also don't start playing with their analytics and like Mm -hmm. optimizing it and making sure that they know what to look at, that we're tracking things that are important to them that are like, okay, these are the key performance indicators that are directly impacting your business goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll show them how to find that stuff and say like, okay, well, this is the focus. We can all look at this. We will set, sometimes we'll set up dashboards. So if everybody Mm -hmm. wants something that they can look at every week, we'll make that for them so we can invest some time. But then, you know, that it's not something that you have to do every single month. Oh, that's that's cool. So the main thing that you're sort of communicating back and forth to the client is about sort of what you've done and then what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, I know that SEOs use a lot of tools. Um, what, what are some of the tools that you use um, in your agency? And I would uh, even like, what are some of the, start with some of the agency management tools you use, uh, non-SEO related, and then we can talk some about the actual SEO tools that you use. Okay, sounds good. Well, I'll actually lead this off with um, a, a very abbreviated anecdote that isn't really going to go the direction that the anecdote does. So Seth Godin, uh, everybody knows him. He has this uh, kind of point he makes about Stephen King's pencil. Um, so he, he talks about, you know, Stephen King always goes to these writers' conferences and he'll you know talk for 30 minutes and uh, then open it up to Q&A. And invariably, he says that somebody will raise their hand and ask, you know, Mr. King, what pencil do you use? <laughs> And the point is, it doesn't matter. Um, So tools for SEO, like, they're great and all, but I don't know that that's something that people should be kind of looking for and being like, oh, well, like, I want to be a good agency. Let me see what other good agencies use. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there are tools. I'll get to tools uh, because there, (laughs) there are tools that are great and tools that we use that are very beneficial for us. But that's something to keep in mind when, like, anybody listening to this podcast is like, you know, just because we use it doesn't mean it's going to be great for you. So, like, right. just keep that in mind that, like, 
how you use the tools is probably much more important than what the actual tools are. So, you know, for SEO specifically, like we use Moz, we have a Moz subscription, we use uh, SEM Rush. Uh, Screaming Frog is probably like the my favorite tool yeah. of all. Um, <laughs> it's just so <clears throat> so uh, insanely useful, and it's crazy to me that uh, I'll frequently forget that Screaming Frog is actually an SEO agency. Like that, like the tool is not their main thing they do. Um, <laughs> but so uh, then when I think about that, I'm like blown away by how much time they continue to be able to invest in it. It's just like it's amazing. Like at um, I think it's like a hundred pounds a month. Like it's just rid- a ridiculous value uh, for how yeah, much you can it, use it for. Uh, I mean, even we use it for so many non SEO reasons. It's amazing just to, you know, diagram sites, to figure out how to redirect URLs, to look at, you know, content structure. It's that is an amazing tool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's, um, you know, a whole collection of like Chrome plugins we like to use. Like I, I mean, developer tools, uh, that option in Chrome is just amazing as well. And mm-hmm. so that's one you don't need anything special to use, but it's, uh, it's super helpful. Uh, in terms of like tools that we use as a company though, um, we're on Trello for project management we use mm-hmm. Slack for chats. Um, one of the things we don't do is provide personal phone numbers to clients. So we all have Skype, uh, that clients can get a hold of us and call us on Skype if they want to chat. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of uh, goes back to the separation of like work and personal life. Right, right. Um, so we use that. Actually, there's a, a blog post up that talks about uh, the tools that we use as a remote team. Uh, oh, so if cool. you go to upbuild.io, uh, there's a whole thing that talks about now how do we make a remote team work? Um, because it's a little different than having you know a, a cool office where you can collaborate face to face. So we have to work a little differently, but um, it's been that's been a really successful experiment for us, and we uh, learned a lot of cool tools to use along the way. As oh, well. that's interesting. I didn't realize, are all your employees remote? Yeah, so we are 100% remote. Like I, I'd say that on paper we are a Portland company, but like it's kind of irrelevant. So I actually I like it a lot when we don't have clients who are in the Portland area because like that's. Something that I also learned throughout my years as a, a person who worked at you know, more traditional agencies that had offices is for me and other team members in that situation, it was really easy to work collaboratively in the same space and communicate together in those spaces uh, and forget that our clients never really had that benefit. It's like right. they were always on the other side of email. And this is something that I learned um kind of a hard lesson I learned that I've never actually shared publicly, but when I uh, first started Upbuild, I was also helping out another agency owner who kind of took me under his wing and taught me a lot about agencies. Uh, And he was going to have me help him with, you know, some sales stuff and uh, some paid search. Eventually, you know, we, we mutually decided it wasn't going to be a good thing for me to continue doing that. One, because I wanted to focus on my company and he acknowledged that and was like, you should focus on your own company. But two, I was working with him in the way that I worked with clients when I was in-house, except I wasn't in the same office with him. He was down in California, I was in Portland, Oregon, and I was like, okay, well, great, I'm gonna do my work every day. And uh, I forgot like, oh yeah, he doesn't know what I'm doing every single day because he can't (laughs) see me. Uh, So so he kind of brought it up as an issue and it was a hard lesson for me to be like, hey, you need to make sure that when you're working with clients, like communication is very important when you're not in the same space as them. And throughout my time working in, you know, agencies that were housed within four walls, I think that's just something that was probably happening. We never realized Um, is that like, yeah, the the clients 
interacted with us on like a monthly call to review the report uh, or, you know, a couple like biweekly email check-ins. And that's kind of all they got. And so working now as part of a distributed team that like has to have effective communication on a daily basis to know like what we're all doing, I think it's actually a benefit that passes directly to our clients and that we can communicate with them very, very naturally and make it so that like we just communicate with you guys like we do with each other. And so that's been a cool value that I didn't expect uh, from working as a remote team. So yeah, we have people in almost every time zone in the US um, and um, we ex- uh, plan to expand uh, beyond that. That's cool. So you Skype and you Slack. Do you do sort of video meetings on a regular basis with your team? Yeah, we do um, Google Plus Hangouts. We Every Tuesday and Thursday morning, we have kind of company meetings. We just meet for a half an hour and talk about like, okay, you know, everybody has their clients, but like what are what was our big win for each client? What is our challenge for each client? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of go through the list and see if we can like help each other or just keep each other in the loop. I'll give the company announcements, tell people what the sales pipeline is looking like and stuff like that and uh, request feedback and stuff. And then we all have... Um, you know, one-on-ones with uh, myself and our director of strategy. We also have an interesting thing that we borrowed from uh, from Buffer, uh, the social media mm-hmm. scheduling company. Uh, they do, they're also a 100% remote team, and they do what they call pair calls. So we kind of borrowed that idea, but it's the idea that, you know, you just have 15 minutes, and I think they started doing it every day of the week. We just do it twice a week, but a 15-minute chunk where you're paired with somebody to just talk about anything, not work, uh-huh. uh, to kind of, you know, fill the gap that's left by like having water cooler conversations right. or like hanging out in the lunchroom. It's like, let me talk. I mean, like, I think Buffer had an example of like, you know, somebody was just talking about like the chickens they were raising. Um, <laughs> you know, actually it ends up, I don't know what is going on at Upbuild, but everybody is like on this HGTV kick. So like home improvement and like cooking shows and like, that's what we end up talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we all relate to it. And it's like, you know, we're all at that age where we're like really into house hunters and uh, fixer upper. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Property bros. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you use Trello and, um, do you use uh, anything for proposals? Yeah, actually, that's a great question. So I was on a, uh, a podcast for uh, the company that makes our proposal software. So Proposify uh, is an awesome company. Uh, they have a really cool product um, that just really streamlines the proposal process. It lets you use templates, uh, use variables to you know, fill out client name mm-hmm. and everything so you can reuse a lot of stuff and save yourself a lot of time. Uh, you can also sign online, which is really cool. So before that, I was using just Google Slides to build out proposals, and it was just like... It drove me crazy. It like took so long to make proposals. Um, so I, I'm all about efficiency. So like I'm the easiest person to sell. If you can find some way to make my life more efficient, yeah, uh, I'm gonna be like all on board. No, we're big Proposify fans too. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, we uh, yeah, I actually we had uh, Kyle Racky on the on this podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember you you mentioned that before. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, so I have one more question for you. Basically, what would be your three takeaways? Those are like things for our audience to take away, um, advice for um, agencies looking to offer SEO services or improve the SEO services that they offer? Yeah, I would say the one thing that I can recommend in terms of just like, you know, being any kind of agency, uh, whether that's an SEO agency or design agency or whatever, is to question the defaults for your industry. Um, so there's all these things that we just kind of take for granted and assume that they're things we can't change. Like, you know, uh, 
I worked at a, a number of places that were like, well, we have to take small projects or like, yeah, we have to take this business when it's an opportunity. Like we can't say no to money. Like that's crazy. We say no to money all the time. Uh, so Upbuild from the start has been just incredibly idealistic and that's not going to work for everybody. Like not everyone can just be like, hey, we're going to open up a company and like, you know, vote on every client and stuff like that. It's right. Like, we kind of uh, have enough uh, enough momentum to be able to take those risks. Mm -hmm. But like that's something that I think people should think about is like, you know, if there's something that like seems like a necessary evil in like agency life or whatever, um, to question if that's really the case, like, is it necessary? Like, do we have to do reporting? Or can we provide the same level of value or more value by doing it a different way? Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that's a, a one thing that I would say people should keep in mind. That's cool. That's great advice. Anything else? I mean, the big takeaway for me over the last couple of years has been that SEO as a offering might be going away. Uh, I think SEO is a skill now more than ever in a marketer's toolbox. Yeah. Um, it's not something that just gets like, okay, hey, do the SEO, like go through the checklist. Like, I mean, Moz has like a great SEO for beginners course, but like anybody could go through that. That's fine. I mean, and also, I mean, if, you, if that's what you're looking for, like just do it yourself. Like don't pay somebody to do that. Like you can go through that list. Um, but I think the value comes from, you know, having somebody that understands marketing and is going to be a collaborative partner and they know all these different things. So, you know, SEO, analytics, whatever. Um, that That's where I think the industry is going in terms of providing value. And, you know, if you're going to be at the front of the pack as a company, I think that's kind of where you need to go. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, it's great to have you here and it was great advice. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was awesome to be here. You've been listening to the Creative Agency Podcast with your host, Chris Bolton. When he's not podcasting or being a dad, he's the Digital Strategy Director at Murmur Creative in Portland, Oregon. Be sure to visit us online at creativeagencypodcast.com.